The throwback is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know football ticket prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. It's super simple, quick, easy to navigate, and all it takes is two taps, then you check out. Also, not just sports tickets, but music and theater tickets as well. So head on over to the App Store or Play Store now, download Game Time, and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Welcome to another edition of the Throwback. The Pats lose. Miami wins. The 49ers, the last team undefeated. Heck, they may not lose a football game all year. I'm Chris Meany from The Athletic, joined by Jake Seeley of The Athletic and Brad Ziegler of The Athletic as well. Thanks for taking the time to join us today. If you're listening, as Jake says, on the Freeverse, thanks. Uh, we have a jam-packed show for you. Lots to talk about for sure. Uh, head over to theathletic.com slash the throwback. We'll get you 40% off all of the articles. Jake's waiver wire column with his buy low, some sell highs. We are getting into crunch time now. Just a few weeks away from fantasy football playoff time. We have six teams on buy. We have guys getting cut, guys getting signed, some disappointing performances, and a lot of injuries to unravel today. So, again, theathletic.com slash the throwback will get you 40% off. There's 100-plus podcasts on there. There's basketball podcasts, fantasy podcasts. Every team is repped. We have articles left, right, and center. So check that out for sure. Jake, big trip for you. Saw Notre Dame for the first time. Did you do enjoy it? It was amazing. I, I, I don't even care if you're a fan of Notre Dame or not. I would say everybody should put that on their bucket list. It's just an amazing trip to be on the campus, to see everything between the dome and the chapel and the grotto and touchdown Jesus, of course. And like nobody's going to get the experience. I'm assuming nobody's going to get the experience I got at the game, which I will just say this. Look, everybody can see my Instagram and videos. I don't want to take up the entire show talking about the trip. It was amazing. It was an amazing trip. It's an experience of a lifetime. Like I said, whether or not you like Notre Dame just to be there. I will say, though, this is the one takeaway I will have sports related for this show, guys, is that I've already been on the side of thank you for the NCAA finally getting with it and letting players make money off their likeness. If I've ever had an opinion of it, which has been strong to begin with, it has been 100% locked into cement, not changing now after experience what I experienced with how many millions of dollars is in that freaking area of just sitting there watching the like the players. They're damn real white. They better be played. <laughs> Brad, ever been to a college football game? Uh yeah, I've been to a couple. Um, not not my cup of tea, but I went to I went to a Mizzou Texas A and M game in college. I had a buddy that was going to Mizzou uh, back when Texas A and M was really good, and I just remember Shane Leckler was their punter, and and he was his his warm ups were unbelievable. He was kicking the ball like ninety yards when when he was just kind of sitting there. Um, you know, having fun. That was the the most. They, I think, they won the game like sixty six to nothing, and and it was that was what I took away was how good their puncher was in warmups. 
Yeah, my previous most memorable experience, Chris, was watching my ODU Monarchs getting destroyed by Derek McKinnon <laughs> and Georgia Southern running for 600 yards. Yes, 600 yards against them. It's so amazing when you look back at some of those performances from some players. I know Derek Henry's high school stats, and this is his high school stats, were, were floated by, I believe, one season he had, like, well over 2,800 yards and like 30 some odd touchdowns <laughs> just running over kids. Uh, unbelievable stuff. So I'm glad you had a good time. I, I was in Vegas this past weekend. I saw where the Raiders stadium was being built and it, it fired me up. I was a little excited. I think, you know, it, it could be a good experience. I, I may have to go back. I took in a hockey game though. And Brad, I know you're a hockey fan. I'm telling you, man, put Golden Knights on your bucket list. They do it right. They really put on a show. The fan base is great. The setup is awesome. There's, you know, a couple pubs outside. There's some live music. And they really do, like, bring in somebody, like, a night on a gate, like, a, like about an hour really? before the game. Yeah, they just come right through the outside of the stadium, and everyone's just surrounded awesome. around. Yeah, live music. And, yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a pretty cool experience. And, and Brad, you got to check it out, man. Yeah, I'll watch I, I, I will. Keep, hold on, hold on. Why do you keep saying Brad? Like, well, I can't check I guess it out. you're a hockey fan, too. I, I suppose, yeah. You know, you could check it out when the Rangers go there. Brad, you could check it out, Jake. No, no. I'll, I'll go when the Sharks Fair go enough. there, and I'll wait a couple years till the Sharks are good again. And oh, then, yeah. Um, but they... I uh, I've got you know my my wife's whole family's from Las Vegas so we'll okay. we'll definitely be making a trip to to see them play. I think my um, brother-in-law has season tickets, so um, he he is constantly shooting me pictures from Vegas games and I'm like, yeah, yeah, they're good. Whatever. It lived up to everything and more. Honestly, even the intro that you don't see on TV, your seats are rattling. Like the music is just so loud. It's everything is amped. So it was really cool. Jake, you check it out as well. Uh, the sports yeah, book Westgate Caesars palace. Awesome to watch some a little bit of football. There is too. Is, a, is the Raider stadium going to be domed or yeah, is it, it open? It, it looks like it's, it looks like it's going to be open, but again, there's a lot, um, it still seems like a lot of work to be done too. And I was talking to the Uber driver on the way to, you know, to get to the airport and inside information. Yeah. Well, I was just, cause I heard some reports that maybe Oakland would stay another year. And he was like, no, 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 not happening. The stadium's going to be ready. And then, so, <laughs> okay. Who knows? He knows. Um, let's get into some football. Let's actually talk about something that happened before, you know, week nine really got underway and it was Josh Gordon. And there's some reports that, you know, Russell Wilson had, had really just – he was trying to get Antonio Brown. <laughs> that didn't happen. Josh Gordon, as of today, passed his physical. So he is a member of the Seattle Seahawks. Did not play yesterday. Jake, big takeaways there. Uh, you know, people love Josh Gordon. So that's just kind of why we're starting with him. He's been picked up on mass over the past, you know, 24 hours. His ownership now around 60% Yahoo leagues. Meanwhile, other guys like Preston Williams, Devontae Parker, these guys, I, I think if you combine their ownership, it's it's less than Josh Gordon. What's your initial take? Do you want to pick him up? Do you want to start him? I think he's an ad, but what's your thoughts? My initial take is the same take I've had for the Years. past however many seasons. I have no interest. I don't want him. I don't want him on my team. I'm not going to keep playing this game like, oh, this is what he could be. This is who he's playing with now. This is the potential, like whatever. 2013, even after that, let's throw out because that's what, you know, we always go back to 2013. Like there was flashes after that. Hey, Flash Gordon, there you go. But the truth of this situation is he's always been more hyped than production. And it's not even close to this point with over the past couple of seasons. So, if somebody dropped him, you go and pick him up and you go immediately trade him. I mean, immediately. I don't even care if all you get is a wide receiver four in return. 
you just who wants him at this point? You're not putting him in his lineup. You're putting him in your lineup. The same Gordon concerns we had initially is what we're talking about with DK Metcalf when he came out of college. He's a limited route runner. He's a big play opportunity. But where DK Metcalf has rookie and experience on his side, more athleticism, I would argue. If you told me right now, Josh Gordon versus DK Metcalf, I'm taking Metcalf. Josh Gordon's been around a long time now. He's still young-ish, but he's not Metcalf at this point. So. I'm going to take Metcalf, who's on this team. I think Josh Gordon comes in as the three, and I think that's as great as Russell Wilson is. He's on an MVP season, throwing touchdowns at the efficient rate he always has. Being the number three on a Russell Wilson passing offense means you have to be remarkably efficient, but also you're going to have to hopefully score as the number three, or else you're just going to be irrelevant. Yeah, for sure. It's it's. I mean, he's a number three at best, I feel like, without an injury, and most of their game scripts are not going to be like yesterday where they essentially get down big early and have to pass their whole way back. I know Carson still had 100 yards, but he only had 16 carries. Like that was that was not a typical Seahawks game where they're wanting to grind the ball on the ground. They couldn't. They had to they had to pass to keep up with the Bucks and you know, it's it's not every week that Russell Wilson's getting 43 attempts. So the the volume is not going to be there for Gordon. I think he's going to be from a fantasy standpoint pretty touchdown dependent. And and granted, Jacob Hollister got a couple touchdowns yesterday. So there there are third options um, that can that can get you touchdowns in that offense. But I just think that game script is going to be pretty rare. And Gordon was just—I felt like he just looked slow. I know he's been battling the injury all year, and and he missed a couple games, and he was placed on IR and then released. But he, to me, he just looked slow. He didn't look great at all. And I mean, Russell Wilson is QB one in the season. Jake, he just kind of glossed over it. He is having like an <laughs> unbelievable season, and he's been super efficient. He's got twenty five hundred yards, which is third in the NFL. He's got twenty two touchdowns to one interception. It's unbelievable. So it's a, it's it's nice that he's going to play for Russell Wilson but you look ahead at the schedule like how involved is he going to be in his first game against San Fran and then they got the bye so you're you're essentially getting nothing out of him in the first couple weeks probably and then after that it's Philadelphia where everyone would be excited so if you if you did pick up Gordon you could just sell him on that notion that hey you got the Eagles secondary week 12 maybe there's going to be something there but I'm with you guys no thanks has your thoughts changed on Kenyon Drake we we mentioned him on our last show (laughs) Is he a sell high now? Because, we, I mean, David Johnson considered day-to-day. I don't know how close he was to actually playing. Doesn't look like Chase Edmonds is going to play a lot. He got a lot of run in that game against the 49ers. 15 carries, 110 yards. He caught a touchdown. Drake freed. He had four targets, four catches for 52 yards. It was nice to see Drake actually get used. I think the entire fantasy community for years has been saying, like, give the ball to Drake. Wasn't getting any touches in Miami. Um, thoughts, Jake, on Kenyon Drake? Is maybe <laughs> with... You know, looking ahead at this week, six teams on by. I mean, you could probably play him as an RB2 this week. Not could. You're probably going to sure. have to, even yeah. if David Johnson's back. Uh, the long There's two ways to look at this. Well, I guess three. Three is as soon as that game finished, the Jets should have just fired Gase like, <laughs> on the spot. Like that's just like not. Like, you're already you're killing Le'Veon Bell. Like you just had the uh, proof of like yes, it was you all along as we've always known. It just should have happened. But at any point, nobody expected that game. Not there was no. We came out Thursday Night Football, and I joked that I did like the whole little middle finger ASCII on Twitter of like, that's what I think of Thursday Night Football because Garoppolo was passing touchdowns in a game where they all needed to do was run, and they didn't run with Tevin Coleman. They ran with Brita. Kenny Drake goes bananas. Like, it was just a game where it's like, look, this is football. This is fantasy. We do our best, but this is why they play the game. Brad knows this. This is why you play the game. Like, you can't predict every single thing, no matter how much we think we know. And what we do know, though, 
is that Kenyon Drake is very talented. Do we think he's a top 12 running back in the league? No, I don't think anybody's saying that. Do we think he was killed by his use before and the teams he was on before or team he was on before this? Absolutely. Although going forward, yes, this week, even if David Johnson's back, after that, I would even consider selling high now just because this backfield is going to be a timeshare. Like David Johnson is not going to get Wally pipped. He's too good at the same time. I don't think David Johnson is going to be hundred percent the rest of the season. I think we could all acknowledge that. So Drake will have a role. So I'm not saying get rid of him for nothing. I just think that also if Chase Edmonds is healthy in two weeks after that, Chase Edmonds proved his value as well. I'm not saying Kenyon Drake, if he's balling out before Chase Edmonds comes back, is immediately going to lose his value to Chase Edmonds. I'm just saying you have three legitimate pieces here, all talented, one being the most talented in David Johnson. You could argue if that talent's still there with the health, but it's just a cluster of a backfield once everybody's healthy, which could take some time. But as you said, it's a 16 bye week. He's got value this week. After this, I'd be a little bit worried. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I actually w- would try to flip him as soon as possible if you can get decent value for him. I, I really don't think um, that he's going to be the guy when these guys get back healthy. I think he's going to be Let me ask you a, a question, Brad, then. Sure. So the former team, and I'll ask Chris the same one, would you trade him straight up for Mark Walton? No. Okay. No, I, just, I don't, I'm, want, I'm, I don't want any piece of I'm, the Dolphins. Just okay. Just <laughs> kidding me? I feel like you can, I feel, and, and part of it is I feel like you can get more than that. Like I've, I feel like you can. there is an opportunity to get more – um, then Mark Walton, especially right now, coming off that game. All right, here's he, look, here's, he, a, here's one he, then. How about for Carlos Hyde? I would I would take Hyde in a second. Yeah, in an absolute okay. second. Same. Yeah, he's okay. if you could get Hyde for Drake, do it now because they're number one. The Texans' offense is is going to be really good going forward. But yesterday, they're run blocking. They got their offensive line back healthy, and that, actually, they were without Tunsil yesterday. But the rest of the line was healthy. Their interior line was healthy, and Carlos Hyde was a beast. And, and that's where I think that's going forward, especially without Will Fuller, that's where they want their offense to be is centered around the run game. And they're going to have a lot of positive game scripts in the second half. So there's going to be a chance for him to milk the clock. Yeah, I, I want – give me Hyde for sure. Yeah, Hyde's been pretty impressive. I mean, he's just at least getting a lot of carries and a lot of touches, at least 19 in four of his last five games. I mean, he's had 83 yards in one, two, three, four, five games this season. That's way more than I think anybody could really imagine Carlos Hyde getting, you know, when he got traded to Houston. You know, sticking with Arizona for a second, they got a pretty good matchup at Tampa Bay. And I know Andy Isabella only had one target and one catch and went for 88 <laughs> yards. But, I mean, this is desperate times. I mean, I'm glad you brought up that question, Jake, because even with Hyde, like Hyde heading into the bye week, there could be a situation where, you know, a Hyde owner is super desperate right now for wins. I mean, you can go ahead and flip a guy like Drake, who is playing this week. You know what I mean? You can make that move. How desperate do you need to be to pick up Andy Isabella? Would you take a shot, Jake, knowing that you know it is against the box, and maybe he can get a little bit more play, or is that just one play all year and that's it? You're not gonna you know get trapped into that. Mm, well, here's all you need to know: thirteen snaps. That's <laughs> yeah. There's your answer. That's <laughs> so, like I, like Andy Isabella should play more. I I don't know if you saw it. I actually joked during the game because all my timeline was. I'm, just, I'm sure it was for the same you guys. Yeah, that's oh, why I brought it up. <laughs> And, and getting Andy Isabella more snaps seems like a smart move. I don't know if anybody's ever thought about giving Andy Isabella more snaps. And I, was like, and I tweeted, I was like, if only somebody would mention that it'd be a smart move to give Andy Isabella more snaps. Like, there's still Farrell Cooper, who we should not be playing behind. Right. So, well, that's but Keyshawn Johnson is still getting about half the snaps a game. And then you still have now a healthy Christian Kirk and a healthy Larry Fitzgerald. And I know this is going to be a four wide and five wide, but it's still Kirk and Fitzgerald. Now it's Drake and David Johnson. I include David Johnson when healthy. 
at best case, he gets past Keyshawn Johnson, and Keyshawn Johnson still, as the number three, is still only playing about 50% of the snaps. So it's going to take a lot for me to think Andy Isabella is worth even rostering before we even get him into the point where he's even close to sniffing startability. Yeah, I, I don't want him in a seasonal league by any means, but but uh, in a dynasty league, like it, it's a guy like you – and I don't know how people will react after a one one reception outing where you just happen to take an 88 to the house. But have it, you ever played fantasy league, football? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, exactly. But I I want to I want to get him in dynasty because I think even if it's a, a year or two from now, it might be a little bit. But at some point, I think he will be a big part of this offense. You know, when you asked if I know you're just joking, have you ever played fantasy football? I just wanted to go sidebar for a quick second. Shout out to the Nationals and Patrick Corbin, who <laughs> Brad, I saw you chirping. Is he really not good at fantasy <laughs> football, or are you just pulling his chin? No, he he's pretty good. He, but I was just chirping. Yeah, he, he's yeah. Okay. Got to find a way to. The dude can do everything. He can yeah. three sixty dunk a basketball. He can you know it, it's unbelievable watching him. Like he's just such a smooth athlete, and so yeah, I I, I take shots at him. No, his oh. We, I'm in a dynasty league with him actually, and and he's right now sitting in fifth place. Um, he had a big big week yesterday. He had um, Philip Lindsay, uh, Aaron Jones, Travis Kelsey are on his dynasty team. So he's got like, and there's there's more. He's got Julio on a buy, Evan Ingram, whatever. So he's he's got a, a pretty good team. But um, it's I, I just like like poking fun whenever I can because there's not very many ways you can attack that guy. <laughs> Well, good for Corbin and good for the Nats who who won the World Series. A very entertaining game. Uh, how many games is San Francisco going to lose here? They got Seattle this week, which is the true test. Arizona again. I guess the Green Bay after that. The schedule does get pretty tough, Jake. I mean, Baltimore in Baltimore. We saw them win against the Pats yesterday. We'll get to that in a second. The Saints, the Rams, and then they finished up in Seattle. Are they going to win this division? Do you think? Mm, I think they will, and I think it'll be twelve and four. Twelve and I four. I say they go four and four the rest of the way. Brad. Yeah, that's fair. I could yeah. I could see that. They could lose to I think they they lose to the Ravens and Saints on the road, the Seahawks on the road for sure and then probably just one of the other games along the way. It was amazing to see them not run the football Jake like you said because it's Oh no, it wasn't amazing. <laughs> well, you know, it's the wrong uh, word to use. <laughs> okay, fine. Sure, fair. Um somebody may have had Jimmy Garoppolo ranked a little lower than expected and I'm I'm right there with you and he, you know, he came in Somebody, the, everybody did. He came in with what nine passing touchdowns and he threw four, 317 yards was easily um, a season high for him in, in both categories and, and the passing attempts as well. 37. I will say, a, a kid, the kidding aside is when it comes down to Jimmy Garoppolo, it's like I'm not taking anything away from the game and what he looked like in the game and this team as a whole. I still, he still hasn't been the 14 points behind Jimmy Garoppolo. We still haven't seen that. And that was the Arizona defense. It's just, I, and that's why I say four and four the rest of the way. Maybe I'm undercutting them, but I just, I don't, I still don't know who that is. I still don't know what this team looks like when they're down playing against a good defense and that's my concern with them you still have some questions about jimmy g brad uh i you know what he answered a few of them the other night he had to make some throws i i still have questions because i want to see a game where they're down by 14 and yeah. see what happens but that that's that's more of a from an nfl standpoint as far as like is he a franchise quarterback from a fantasy standpoint he's he's still a qb2 like it's not a guy i'm running out there every week because that's he's just the volume's not there. He's just not the focus of their lineup. But there, I was looking at some some team defensive stats. Their defense is allowing 138 passing yards a game. That's unbelievable. <laughs> I've never even like like fathomed that eight games into the season uh, in in today's NFL. It's just crazy how good their defense is playing right now. And again, a true test because Monday night they're gonna get Russell Wilson at home. So that'll be uh, an intriguing Monday night football game for sure. Let's so let's move over from. 
you got the undefeated 49ers in the team in New England who finally lost the game. And, Brad, we'll start with you because you, you had said this, that you thought that the Ravens could potentially win this game. We all know that New England had a very, very easy schedule, and their defense has been phenomenal. And I saw you again this morning tweeting about uh, their defense maybe not being as good as what you know the numbers do show. So what were your big takeaways from that game? And Baltimore, we've seen this before. Baltimore give Belichick and the Pats fits before in the past. And I know you want to say that KC could be that team to get by New England, but really looking at the AFC, <laughs> is Baltimore really only New England's you know biggest challenge, I guess? Yeah, they. I mean, I think they both are. And and that's this to me, I was conflicted last night watching because, yes, I want the Patriots to lose. Like everybody else outside of New England, I want the Patriots to lose. At the same time, I want the Chiefs to get the number two seed. And if Baltimore wins that game, that's that's you know that gives them a leg up on the Chiefs because you know they're Baltimore six and two right now. The Chiefs are six and three. Uh, Chiefs will have their bye week in a little bit. We get Mahomes back, but it's like it's going to be kind of neck and neck. And it would have been nice if you know Baltimore was five and three right now. Um, at least you know have that that game advantage on them, but but Baltimore is good. They and and I I mentioned this last week. The Patriots' run defense scares me. When they get against a team that is run heavy, that can really run the ball, they they did not do anything against the Bills' run defense. Carlos or uh, Frank Gore went for over 100 yards against them. Nick Chubb went for over 100 yards against them. And not that they're not they're terrible running backs, but they're also they're also just I don't know just okay offenses in general at best and I mean Cleveland's offense sucks right now the the Bills offense is pretty mediocre but they ran all over the Patriots yes there were there you know the Patriots were winning those games but I just felt like this game especially in Baltimore they were gonna run the ball like crazy like I was actually surprised Lamar Jackson threw the ball 23 times but I think a lot of that's just run pass options where you know he's got a little quick pass that's that's open real quick because you could see it wasn't the focus of their their game. Mark Andrews was in blocking almost the whole night, um, just setting up the run, and they ran for over 200 yards. Like that's that's what I expected them to do. They just controlled the tempo, and I do think they present a big problem to New England if they if they meet up in January. Was this a game script, Jake, on how to beat New England? Just run, run, run. Well, that's what we said going into the game. All of us, we were all in the agreement that you know you've seen so far this year, you beat New England against you. Know, that's how you get to them. You beat them in the run and. And there was other opportunities there, and Lamar Jackson did what he needed to do is when he passed and kept the defense in check at least. But you know, we weren't expecting a ton from Hollywood Brown being locked up with Gilmore for most of the night. You know, Miles Boykin, I don't even think had a catch. I know I was gonna say I know he didn't have a catch. I don't know if he even had a target in that game, but you don't need to. But here's the thing: not every team has Lamar Jackson at quarterback. And there be like, no, I legitimately mean that as in a compliment of people are gonna be out there. Well, you know, well, no. I don't know that most teams can do what the Ravens just did because Lamar Jackson and there's jokes and articles about it this morning. Like, is it time to stop underrated? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was time yeah. five weeks ago. Yeah, no like, kidding. we've been saying this all. Like, I say we as in this show, you know, Emery, Emery Hunt that Hunt. writes for us. You know, we did a whole thing. I told you about tweets that he and I send back and forth joking about, well, at least Sam Darnold's play is sustainable. Yeah, because he sucks. It's sustainable to suck. And Lamar Jackson's also sustainable. They all, everybody just wants to hate on him. And then people push back. Well, he only threw for 100 to 75 Lamar Jackson doesn't need to throw for 250 300 yards that's what this game is so I'm saying all that with the fact of yeah I think Russell Wilson the Seahawks could easily I, right now you tell me which team wins I think the Seahawks win uh, if he told me on paper the Saints versus the Patriots I think that'd be a good game I think it's going to come down to who can run it better and I think you kind of need a running quarter that you don't have to be Lamar Jackson but a threat yeah. and I think maybe a presence like Drew Brees is amazing as I still think and my, you know I'm not moving off my Saints as a pick I just think that would be a much closer game than the Seahawks game would be 
Yeah, Lamar Jackson, you're right, only 163 yards. But, I mean, 17 for 23, and, again, 16 for 61 on the ground. He had two rushing touchdowns. That one at the end was was awesome. Oh. Yeah, uh, that wasn't even a touchdown. He just got a first down. But he, he made, like, six guys miss before he even got back to the line of scrimmage. Yeah. Um, okay, so – Phenomenal stuff there from 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 Baltimore. I, I obviously we like to see it. We like to see New England lose a game here or two. And now they head into the bye. But I want to stick with them for a second because, I mean, that was a career high in terms of just targets and catches for Mohamed Sanu. Fourteen targets, ten grabs, eighty-one yards. In fact, I think he tied career highs in, in both of those categories: the targets and catches. Has he now leapfrogged Philip Dorsett, or is that just one game? Like, who would you rather have the rest of the season, Jake Dorsett or Sanu? I would barely take Sanu, but I say barely because I think it's going to be matchup dependent. And if you look at yesterday, you know, they're set with the matchup on the outside. And you like you, I, I really want, I'm going to go back and double check because, of course, we don't have the reports yet from like Pro Football Focus or anybody like who covered who right. the most that game. I'm assuming just from watching it, and I'm assuming from the feel of the game that saw a lot of Humphrey, saw a lot of the outside, even when he didn't. Uh, you got, um, oh crap, just brain fart. This is what happens when you travel. The one that came over the, in the trade. Oh, Peters. Marcus Thank you, Peters. Marcus Peters. So between the two of those, it makes sense to take away Dorsett. You open up the underneath, which is why Edelman had a huge game too. It's like right. Edelman and Sanu just destroyed them. So you look at that, and I'm again, I'm assuming, so a matchup next week, you know, like let's say they were facing the Lions and Darius Slay was out. Well, you're going to get Justin Coleman in the slot. I would probably like Dorsett more over him. Like that's, I think it's going to be rolling going forward. It's Edelman's clear number one. Matchup's going to depend whether or not you like Sanu or Dorsett. I'm not writing off Dorsett completely, but on the flip side, I think I would sell, you know, there are people out there I would consider selling high on Maham Sanu because people are going to immediately go, oh, this is locked in. He's going to have the Josh Gordon value that we always wanted. Yeah, and I think that's fair. That's why I brought it up. So, you know, heading into this week, bye, and then after the bye, Philadelphia, Dallas. Houston, KC, Cincy, Buffalo. There's some decent matchup there, matchups there as well. And just looking at Dorsett's ownership on, on Yahoo, dropped 10% in the last 24 hours. So people already just, I don't want to say overreacting because it's not like Dorsett was doing a ton, um, but people have already cut their ties. Brad, what are your thoughts quickly before we move on? Dorsett or Sanu? Same thing, matchup dependent? Um, I, Yes, but, but I look at it as a different matchup. I think it's matchup dependent on if the team can put pressure on Brady, then Sanu is going to be a lot more reliant. It's kind of like the, the Diggs-Thielen thing that Jake likes to do, um, where you know if they're both healthy, if, if it's a team that puts pressure on the quarterback, he's, you're going to go to Diggs because a lot of his routes are shorter. That's, that's, that is Muhammad Sanu. The, the, the longer routes right. are the Philip Dorsett routes down the field. And there are, there are some teams coming up that can put the pressure on the quarterback for New England. All those teams that you just mentioned, Philly, Dallas, Houston, Kansas City, are all putting a ton of pressure on the quarterback the last few games. I think there's a good chance I would much rather have Sanu going forward, at least in the immediate future. It's fine if you want to flip him and you get you feel like you get value for him. I don't think he's going to get 10 catches every game, but I could see him getting 10 targets every game, whereas I think Dorsett's going to be more the, the big play dependent. All right, yeah. so now we get into the ugliness of the show, and let's get right into the Cleveland Browns, who lost their fourth game. They're 2-6. and six. They've scored 152 points on the season. I mean, that's fewer than the Buffalo Bills, who really just rely on their defense. Baker Mayfield has seven touchdowns. He's tied for 28th in the league. Ryan Tannehill, who's only played a couple games, has one fewer passing touchdown. Matt Moore, who's only played a couple games, has three fewer passing touchdowns. And Brian Hoyer, who's played, like, what, three quarters? Has four fewer passing touchdowns than <laughs> Baker Mayfield. And, you know, it's it's ugly all around. 
Uh, I'm not going to get into this a whole lot. You guys can touch on it if you want. But Jermaine Whitehead, obviously, um, you know, if you haven't heard, he was, he's was he been cut. He's been released. He was attacked yesterday on Twitter from a few people about his poor tackling, among other things. And he lost his cool. He lost his mind, to say the least. Um, the Browns have released him. This Cleveland team is an absolute mess. I, I think we had questions at the start. We were all buying in to the hype. We all were rooting for Cleveland to turn the page and be good. Baker was it was exciting. They acquired Odell Beckham Jr. You know, Kareem Hunt, who's yet to play. Nick Chubb, we like as a player. There are some pieces there. Certainly on paper, they looked pretty good. And Freddie Kitchens, I think, since day one, even before the season started, I, I believe he was asked a question. Was it a surrounding around Duke Johnson, potentially? Um, and he just kind of lost his cool. And I said, man, I don't know if this is the right guy for the job. And this team right. is a complete mess. Jake, <laughs> what, do you, what do you unpack with the Browns? Remember when he said, I think was it after week two or three, that Odell was wishing that he had Daniel Jones as his quarterback? <laughs> Maybe he <laughs> yeah, does. Was, that, was, that was a joke by a lot of people. And right. Like last week, I made, I even jumped in, like, you know, still how I feel about Daniel Jones. I don't know. I got to take two different little angles from this. Is one is, I'm not putting as much heat on Baker Mayfield for yesterday's game as everybody else is. If, if you watch that game, you can actually, this is one time you look at the box score. The box score doesn't look that bad. He only had one touchdown, but if you look at it, you know, the numbers are there. He had a pretty decent game. It's Denver's pass defense. Like, like, yeah, can we Denver's, give that yeah, some Denver's respect? Sure defense Agreed. In general. Yeah. I actually think if you just looked at the box score and said, let's look at Baker Mayfield's box score against Denver Broncos, not knowing anything going into this game from the history of this season and how miserable things have been for the Browns, and you see what he did yesterday without any interceptions, you would be like, oh, he actually had a pretty decent game considering it's the Broncos' defense. So I want to go one that way with it. The second way I want to go is, yes, this team is a complete mess. It's a complete disappointment. You can see it wearing on his face. You know, everybody joked about the tweets afterwards about, like, you know, the guy that you should tells you not to worry about and all that type of stuff. And, you know, he looks depressed and the mustache, blah, blah, blah. I, you know, look, that that's going to be a team thing. We, you brought it up about Kitchens maybe not being a head coach before the season, and maybe he's just better as offensive coordinator. We've seen that from other coaches in the past that is similar to when we ask wide receivers to be the number ones is they just can't handle they're better in their role. So the one takeaway I have from this game that's not even something you brought up is I've been on the stance the entire year. Take Nick Chubb and trades, buy low on him. People are panicking. Kareem Hunt's not going to touch his value. Don't worry about it. I changed my mind after yesterday. I am completely worried because when you put in somebody else, I don't care who it is, and I'm not even mentioning his name because he's not worthy of being mentioned in the name because he's Nick freaking Chubb versus anybody on that team, period. Like Hilliard, whatever. The point being, you don't take him out on third down. You don't take him out and still have him out on fourth down and one when you try to go for it on fourth down. Nick Chubb should be on the damn field. And if Nick Chubb's not on the field on third down and Nick Chubb's not involved and they're giving Hilliard touches, now I am legitimately concerned about Kareem Hunt because Kareem Hunt is light years ahead of Hilliard. So I am concerned going forward now. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and, and if Kareem Hunt yeah, if Kareem Hunt has has a couple good games. Or, or even a couple big plays, he might start seeing the field a little more, and that you might see him kind of eat into the 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 like regular the backfield, the early down cherry. Yeah, exactly. Like at some point, he may just get a get some opportunities based on production and and where they go with the hot hand. The biggest thing I had an issue with with Baker's game yesterday, when you look at that box score, Jarvis Landry had 13 targets and Odell Beckham had six. And it's not I'm not saying Landry's bad, but 
you have if you're going to force the ball to somebody, you force the ball to Odell Beckham because he's going to make contested catches. Landry only came away with six of those catches. Beckham caught five of his six targets, and and a couple of them he had guys all over him. He made one play where he almost he had to kind of like bobble, like pop the ball up in the air to him because he had his arms pinned down by the guy. He popped the ball up in the air, then took off running and caught the ball and went down the sideline. It like. It's still Odell Beckham, and I think sometimes they forget that. It doesn't matter if he has one-on-one coverage against Chris Harris or whoever, whatever good cornerback is there. You throw the ball up and you give him a chance because he can make plays that Jarvis Landry or Antonio Callaway or whoever you want to throw out there cannot make, and you've got to force the ball to your best players, especially with how much they gave up to get him. Like, it was, you know, you can still look at it like, oh, this is a coup for the Browns, only if they use Beckham. Only if they're going to force the ball to him and use him like a, a legit alpha receiver. Uh, I'm going to give a shout-out to Jake Trotter, who covers the Cleveland Browns for ESPN. He was just talking about red zone targets this season, and Odell Beckham Jr. has three. He's ranked 126th in the league. Um, Demetri Harris has four, to put into perspective. <laughs> um, it's unbelievable. But on pace, I mean, he's got 67 targets overall. I mean, what's that, quick math? 135, roughly. I mean, that's more than he had last year with the Giants, who, you know, he had 124 through 12 games. But there's just, yeah, I mean, Baker's been a little inaccurate. The line hasn't been good. The play calling has been brutal. So, I mean, one touchdown from Odell Beckham Jr. this season, Jake. I mean, come on. <laughs> this guy had double digits in the first three years with New York. Yeah, it's. I think part of it too is to go back to something we talked about with the Kirk Cousins and the pressure and stuff. Like it, it's the offensive line has been killing this team all year, and I'm not saying that you know it doesn't deserve some of the cl- complaining to be directed at Baker Mayfield. As I said before, yeah. I just, yesterday's game, I was just saying I don't think was as much Baker Mayfield as everybody's you know wants to trash him, but overall. He hasn't had a lot of time. Like we talk about Philip Rivers not having time, and people are in his face immediately. You can say a lot of the games, and when watching the games, you can see the same things happen with the Browns. And if, if you aren't having time to think, well, to the same conversation that Brad was just bringing up with the Patriots, Landry's going to be getting open quicker, shorter. Like Odo, Be- well, Odo Beckham can get open in a heartbeat. Yeah. Uh, but more of what Odo Beckham is going to be asked to do when Landry and he are on the same team is he's going to be doing some more developed routes, more downfield, and then you do want to get him the ball. Brad's 100% right. How are you not getting Odell Beckham double-digit targets every single game, regardless of matchup? you got to go after it. At the same time, when Baker Mayfield doesn't have a second to think, I think he's just panicking, and I think that's what we're seeing also, is he's kind of regressed a little bit, similar to Sam Darnold. Second year, just taking a step back and letting the pressure get to him. Yeah, I would agree. And and it's bringing up Baker, maybe you know, maybe it came off as being a little hard on this guy, but I do think it's on Freddie Kitchens and the offensive line. We said it's in state right from day 1 against Tennessee. We had questions. We said if this is how the offensive line is going to look all year, this is trouble for absolutely everybody in the offense. So, Brad, 3 games for Odell with double digit targets. Just 3. Yeah, it's, And it's two absurd. of them came in yeah, week like- 1 and week 2. It's I feel like it doesn't matter what team you're on it, but especially a team with it with the wide receiving core of the Browns, like you don't really have anybody else there that sh- that should be a double digit target guy. I'm okay with Landry getting double digit targets as long as Beckham is also. But if Beckham is not, <laughs> then Landry shouldn't be. Would you buy low, Jake? Knowing, I mean, this week against Buffalo, Pittsburgh is, I mean, it's a decent, on who? decent Odell. Oh, I already did. So yes. So yeah, I mean, I did as well too. <laughs> but, here, but there's some people out there. I mean, he's his again. 
people play in weird leagues, but he's his ownership is is minus one percent in the last twenty four hours. So there is somebody well, out there. Here, I want to reverse this to times. you and ask ask you guys the question because so this is my my home league, and I was joking about with guys I was watching the game with yesterday because I got in you know late traveling all the, like so I just wasn't doing anything at the house. I just went out to get some food. But anyway, point being is like in my home league, I could trade you, Chris, if you were in my home league. I could trade you Christian McCaffrey straight up for Dalvin Cook, and people will lose their mind. I can't believe you traded Jake Dalvin Cook. Like that's just what my league is. Like that's because it's me and i understand that you know this part of it is me everybody wants to beat me they should want to beat me i should be in the top three or four every single year because if it's not well i'm not doing my damn job right like this is what but all that being said is two weeks ago now this is a keeper league so there are prices involved but you know i had hunter henry because i drafted him and george kittle i went with the michael salfino like if the value is going to be at tight end i'll you know that's where i'll go so i traded hunter henry and a running back of value and a potential keeper just for Odell Beckham. And of course, people lose their mind. I only bring that up because as of right now, wouldn't you rather have Hunter Henry than Odell Beckham? <laughs> I mean, yeah. I I'm think like, so. like, forget all the other pieces. I know I'm like, I yeah, mean, truthfully, no, yeah. who's better right now for your fantasy team? Yeah. Hunter Henry. Yeah. I mean, for sure. It, it's, it's crazy. And CMC, again, another week. RB1 in the season, 24 carries, or on the season, on the week. Same. Yeah, it, 24 carries, 146 well, yards, it's, two TDs. There's a couple good running backs going tonight, so we'll see. <laughs> I, I guess, but yeah, right now he is 11-point lead on Kenyon Drake, by the way, number two. Number three yes. we'll get to in a little bit, but since, you know, as we were talking about disappointments, I think we kind of have to continue on to the Jets just quickly because, you know, you're talking about you being bad in one of your home leagues. Wait, wait, there's ex- expectations for the Jets? <laughs> I don't know, man. I, one of my leagues that I take serious, my first two picks were Beckham and Bell. And yeah, I'm not doing very well. There's expectations to beat the Dolphins. Right? I think that would have been fair. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Uh, I thought it was a slight bit of a joke that this team was only favored by three against the Dolphins, but they were never really in that football game. And Adam Gase, again, we could talk about Freddie Kitchens being one and done. Brad, Adam Gase, could he be one and done? I mean, this is is pathetic. And, And that's, I think this, what we saw yesterday... The fact that he was with Miami and the fact that the Jets got this guy who's had so much issues inside that division to begin with, and he's supposed to be this offensive genius. I mean, that was just, for me, the final straw. I don't know how they could even bring him back next year. I don't want, even want to hear about excuses that Darnold was out. Like, they don't even hand the ball off to Bell. What was that play? They were on the one or the two, and Sam Darnold throws the ball and throws a pick. Like, why don't you hand it <laughs> off to Lev Bell? Yeah, it's... They, they, their offense is a mess right now. Gase, I think Gase is the biggest reason for it, but he's also like, he's not let Darnold develop at all. He's, he's holding Darnold back if anything, because of the the bad play calling. So I I think, I I feel like Gase needs to be out of there now. Like I wouldn't even wait till the end of the season. I want somebody in there now because I don't want to lose my franchise quarterback. I don't want, and I'm afraid that eight more games of, of dealing with this the rest of the year and Sam Darnold will never, it's possible he will never recover. And it's, I, I think you need to get, get guys, get somebody in there right now who can work with a quarterback and, and call plays that, that go to his strengths. I mean, in the grand scheme, Darnold had a, an okay game yesterday. If you look at the box score, but this is one, it's kind of like, it, you can't do like what you did with Baker Mayfield. It's like, 
if you watch the game, this game was a, an atrocious game by the Jets in all phases. Their defense looked bad. Their defense was a popular streaming option in, in fantasy this week because they were playing the Dolphins. They made the Dolphins look look like a legit NFL team to the point where now you're almost kind of scared to go against the Dolphins in, in Survivor or whatever. Like, I, I lost a couple Survivor teams yesterday because of it, and, and now Miami is playing Indianapolis at Indy. And I don't know if I want to take Indy. Indy's a double-digit favorite next week. If, if Brian Hoyer's quarterbacking, I'm not certain I want to take Indy in that matchup because I don't know that that Ryan Fitzpatrick's not going to go out and, and throw enough to to beat them. It's very possible. I like Indy's team overall, but I like him a lot better with Brissett than I do with Brian Hoyer. Jake, thoughts on yeah. Sam Darnold this offense? Because a couple weeks ago we were saying that they were, you know, the schedule was nice. Giants, Washington, Cincy, Miami, again, Miami, but like Bell and Robbie Anderson and Hernan was active. And uh, did he even have a target? There's like nothing really no. to like from the Jets standpoint. And also Sam Darnold, I know he's trying to, you know, respect his coach, but he had said one of the better coaches he's ever been around. What do you mean? One of the better you've only been in the league for a minute and you played some, some college and some high school and one of the better, like this is, this is just brutal. I, I, just, I mean, he I just know might he's... be scared that yeah. Gase is going to shank him or something. I mean, like, I'd be like, what? Gase has something on somebody. Like, it's just, there's no reason. The only reason Gase is in the NFL is either people are legitimately scared for their life around him or he's got, like, a book, like, a mile high on everybody in the NFL. Well, he's Let's a scary-looking like, dude. Remember those taco, like, memes? Like, his eyes Yeah, well, like, that's around. a condition he has. Like, we, we, we ended up finding out that that's actually a condition. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe just everybody's afraid about, like, to look him in the face, and I don't know what it is. The, the point being is Adam Gase shouldn't be in charge. I don't know what's going on with Sam Darnold. I guess he's just talking enough to, I don't know, try to support his team at this I point. Suppose. The one is... Like, you know, like I always liked Jameson Crowder and I was the one of the people who immediately said last week, I said, I don't know if I like him as much anymore because I'm legitimately concerned about Demarius Thomas. And again, yesterday, Demarius Thomas, only five fewer snaps. They're sharing that duty. I don't think we can come out of this game and say, oh, Jameson Crowder is back to being the most valuable because Robbie Anderson still has the tough matchups going forward. Even though they're facing a lot of weak defenses, a lot of these defenses still have a quality corner. And that was the biggest concern for Robbie Anderson for the season was strength of opponent, which is you, you guys know this. We try to preach it. I have an article about it is he's got tough corners for the entire season. I don't think you could have faith rolling anybody out on this team, including Robbie Anderson as more than a wide receiver four, knowing you're going to have wide receiver two upside every single week with all three of them. I'd include Demarius Thomas. He's had a good game already, but I just, I don't know that we have any safety. There's no floor here. The floor is zero. Yeah, I mean, four targets, two catches, 33 yards for Robbie Anderson, no Xavier Howard. I mean, it's really inexcusable. But we were on this game from a DFS standpoint. I know we don't talk a lot of DFS on this show, but Jake and I, with, with the footballers, we talked a lot about this game, including oh. Ryan Fitzpatrick. I hate you, Robbie Anderson, specifically, because right. I smashed a lineup with, with the, Robbie uh, Fitzpatrick, Preston Williams, and Devontae Parker, but also <laughs> Robbie Anderson, and he was yeah. the big fat hole in my lineup which oh i forgot to tell you guys i was actually watching this game with a dolphins fan it was the most it was the most <laughs> hilarious thing to watch because his heart kept cheering because it's hard yes. not to cheer for your team when they win but he was so conflicted because he'd be like oh yeah what a touch oh yeah that's right we're winning <laughs> like it was just kind of like it's such a conflicted thing to watch it was that was probably the most entertaining part <laughs> the jets one and seven miami one and seven brad who who finishes with more wins this year who cares about schedule? Uh, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll take the Jets, but <laughs> yeah, I, that's only because I think there's points. a potential coaching change coming. I do what? think. Do you think midseason? Uh, or yeah, I, I, if it point. keeps going, well, this the Jets also get the home game. Not. 
yeah, I guess they get the home game. It doesn't matter. Like it might in December. Yeah, it, yeah. If, when it's snowing, in I New would York, ta- I but... would take the Jets too. Plus, the Jets still have a game against the Bengals and the Redskins and the Giants. Miami still and plays Cincy as well. But yeah, maybe the Bengals. Do they? Maybe the team that goes undefeated. I think it's Week 16, Cincinnati and but, Miami. But... Hold on, let's see. All right, so Dolphins have Colts, Bills, Browns, Eagles, Jets, Giants, Bengals, Patriots. That's one, maybe the Bengals. <laughs> one, maybe. So the Jets, they have the Giants, Redskins, Raiders, Bengals, Dolphins, Ravens, Steelers, Bills. They're not winning those, but they have. A, they definitely have more winnable games. It's fair. Yeah, I will say this. The Dolphins are progressively getting better every game. There are a lot of things to like Would about their Would you say Sam long-term. Darnold and the Jets are progressively getting worse? <laughs> and right now, they're, <laughs> at, a, at a minimum, they are stagnant. <laughs> they're, they're, not, they're, not getting, you know, they're not getting better. Um, but the Dolphins are getting better. They're playing better. They're playing better defense, um, you know, which, again, I don't, they're going up against the Jets. How good is their defense? I guess it, we're not sure, but they're – it just looks to me like they've got things going in the right direction. They have a buttload of picks to, you know, the next two years to, to try to get some prospects in there too, that, that might be able to make an immediate difference right away. So by the way, yeah, go Chris, ahead. I was just going to say, we got the breaking news since he was brought up in this conversation with Jacoby Brissett. Uh, it is a sprained MCL indeterminate amount of time. He's not ruled out for next week yet, but often it's a multi-week sprain. So Okay. He's well, not done for the year. Could be back. I would doubt week ten this coming up against Miami, but maybe after that. So Brian Hoyer, might, I mean, with one, Hoyer this week for yeah, sure. Yeah, against the Dolphins, Brian <laughs> Hoyer. I mean, you got six teams on by, right? I mean, but he yeah, doesn't. It's Brian Hoyer with no Ty Hilton. T. It, we didn't right. even talk about that. Ty Hilton's out for three games all of a sudden. Like that just was. How do you spray something in the middle of the week and all? Ah, you're done for three weeks. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was surprising. I mean, would that news come down Saturday evening? I believe. Yeah. Yeah. That was. That was that's because I was checking in the hotel for everybody out there. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Brian Hoyer, QB 12 and three quarters this week without T.Y. Hilton, though. Yeah. So just crazy. And that was against right. Pittsburgh, who's who's decent. They're, like, there's a I decent can tell secondary. you right now, I did not have Brian Hoyer ranked for everybody out there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me neither. Uh, I don't think anybody did. More passing touchdowns the rest of the way. Baker or Brian Hoyer? Oh, uh, uh, Baker. <laughs> okay, fine. Let's see. If, if I will say this, if Brissett misses two games, there is a chance that I'll take Hoyer in that one. <laughs> <laughs> I knew he would. Uh, but you know what? You, we got uh, Houston on by, so Watson. Minshew did not look good in London. Uh, I don't know how long I'd hold on to him. Nick Foles could be getting that job back pretty soon. Uh, you know, we got Wentz on by. You're, you're really not rolling out anybody in Washington or Denver, and then Carson Wentz too. So you could be in a situation to play in two quarterback leagues, obviously. Let's put a pin on the Colts just for a second because I wanted to actually, Jake, give you a little bit more props. Let's grow that head of yours because we were talking about Miami, and with your rankings, I saw questions. And even in our show, when our show was tweeted out, somebody said, Preston Williams, question mark, 37, really? Uh, Preston Williams <laughs> had a pretty good day. He found the end zone twice. And also Devontae Parker. It's taken five years. But Parker may be here. I mean, he's got four touchdowns in his last five games. He's got at least 50 yards in six games this season. That's way more than all the hype that he never lived up to in the past couple years. So, And and Brad has also said this numerous times, and I think we're all in agreement, that Ryan Fitzpatrick is better for this offense. But um, going forward, these are two guys that are available in a lot of leagues that could help you out. The schedule is it's not awful. I mean, you got the Jets again. you got the Giants. You're going to have the Bengals Week 16. I know everybody wants to know, buy lows, you know, who should I try to grab for Week 16? And, you know, it's not bad, you know, moving forward. But what do you make of those two guys? Like, are they in the wide receiver, wide receiver three conversation moving forward for you or what? I think so. I, I, it was, I forget. Yeah, 
No, don't, don't step on my guys. Yeah, settle, settle down. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, the, it, it was uh, uh, Michael Beller brought it up on the ranking show with me and um, Brandon Funston. God, my brain is still trying to recover. <laughs> Getting up at three thirty for a flight to come back to try and get in time for the games on Sunday morning is still killing me. I was so tired this morning. <laughs> anyway, uh, like uh, Preston Williams, this is what I said on the ranking show. Is Preston Williams I actually feel at this point? And Brandon got mad at me. It was funny because I I said I feel like he's got the better floor at this point. And Parker has the upside because Parker's been getting the touchdowns. Parker's floor is legitimately zero. He put up a zero against the Patriots. I know it was only one game, but I, my entire point, and we didn't get to spend a ton of time because we don't want to spend a half hour talking about it, but Parker's still Jets, going yeah. to get, yeah, he's still going to get the number one treatment. And that's why he's got the lower floor because when he faces a Gilmore, if he faces the Lions, if they were to play and Darius Slay and all that type of stuff, like if you go down this road, it's like, you know, he's going to get the number one treatment, which means he could potentially get locked down and have like two catches for 20 something yards. And, you know, Preston Williams is going to be consistently involved every single week. And Preston Williams, if he told me side by side right now going forward, I was a Parker fan coming out of college. Parker was in my top tier that year with Kevin White for everybody that remembers that oh one, too. The Amari Coopers and all that type of stuff. But the truth about Preston Williams is I told you guys both this in the offseason was you know, I had a third round grade on him just based on talent third round as in second day of the NFL draft and with the ceiling for more if not for the off the field issues and coming from a school that people weren't paying a lot of attention to is he, he would have got more attention similar to Antonio Callaway the year before that and Antonio Callaway's battled injuries but Preston Williams hasn't and I'll take Preston Williams going forward because I think he has the higher ceiling at this point. So the only thing, I, and I don't know, if y'all didn't see the game, I'm not sure if you realize, he got carted off at the end of this game. Was it carted? Um, yeah, he was carted to the locker room from the, from oh, the sideline. I didn't see it was a from card the either. So, yeah, I didn't see it was yeah, a card he, either. I know he's he dealing came with off a knee the, injury, yeah. Yeah, he came off the field, um, kind of like limping under his own power, and then he got carted from the sideline to the locker room. So I don't know. They, I don't know how severe it is. It might be the kind of the Jacoby Brissett thing where it's like well, maybe a week or two, yeah, whatever. Sure. But yeah, it's 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 definitely going to change things um, if he misses a week or two and in, in the immediate. Well, I was too busy laughing at my buddy to see that apparently. <laughs> yeah, and, and I saw he did leave with a knee injury. I was unsure if it was a cart. Um, thanks to Info Brad is definitely going to bring up that he is dealing with a knee injury. Maybe we'll hear some news before, before waivers hit, but um, you know, absolutely. I think both should be, I mean, we look at Yahoo ownerships all, all the time, but I think most people that are listening to the show, they're pretty sharp and, and they're probably, both of those guys are probably already owned and they need to be on your radar going forward for sure. Let's go to the Colts quickly for a second. Cause another wide receiver that I'm sure you're going to have in your, in your waiver wire column, Jake is, is Zach Pascal. You know, he's kind of showed up recently, obviously yesterday with no T Y Hilton, 76 and a touchdown two weeks before that 106 and two scores week four, he had 72 yards. Is this a guy that you're interested in going forward? And Jack Doyle showed up yesterday basically for the first time. Maybe that's um, you know, a Brian Hoyer thing. I'm actually annoyed about that because the Eric Ebron, I was so high on Jack Doyle, and then I, d I downgraded him just a tad because Eric Ebron was healthy. And I was like, oh, you bastard. But Zach Pascal has been there in the waiver column for weeks. Uh, not as high as he would be this week because T.Y. Hilton's out for multiple weeks. But the snaps were always the second most, and that's what we were looking for. We we're looking for somebody to solidify themselves as the number two because it was Chester Rogers and then it was Paris Campbell one week. And it wasn't even just who's showing up every single week, similar to the 49ers. Unlike the 49ers, or at the time, like the 49ers, everybody was splitting snaps. Everybody was sharing. Now the 49ers are starting to pull away with Debo Samuel, who's seeing the most, and obviously the trader for Manuel Sanders. But it's a similar situation. It's Jack, Zach Pascal started pulling away and being the second most snaps consistently with Chester Rogers being third. Now with them out, 
it's still those two. Although I think if you're in a deep league, you could chase Paris Campbell for the big playability that he has because the snaps weren't that far behind Chester Rogers yesterday. Just know that Chester Rogers went on the field is being involved more, especially in the red zone. And Paris Campbell is definitely more the boomer bust, but Zach Pascal is now officially 94 snap, 94% of the snaps yesterday. He's officially a must own. Yeah. Brad, you got to love the matchup this week against the Dolphins. Yeah, for sure. And I, I'm going to go the other way on those, that second receiver. I'm going to take Campbell over Chester Rogers because I think okay. now they, they lost T.Y. Hilton so late in the week. It was it was kind of almost unexpected. Now they can actually plan for a week without him. And I think Paris Campbell gets more involved. I think they try to find a way, especially with Hoyer quarterbacking. He's not going to chuck the ball downfield. He's you know the, the typical backup quarterback who's going to take a lot of the shorter stuff. They're going to throw wide receiver screens, slant stuff to Paris Campbell and, and and try to let that big play happen because they don't have it over the top with, with Hoyer quarterbacking and, and with this receiving core. Campbell could be that guy over the top also. I just think they, I will say in the red zone, Chester Rogers will probably get used more in the red zone as far as targets because he's just a bigger guy. Um, but I, I do like Campbell in, in still in a deeper league. I don't want him, I'm not starting him as like a, you know, a, a top 36 wide receiver or anything. But if you're in a, a league that starts four wideouts or or something like that, then I could see starting Paris Campbell for an upside play as a wide receiver four. Yeah, they both had five catches yesterday and, and Doyle with the four targets, three catches, only 22 yards, but he, he did find the end zone. So there's a few wide receivers out there. And again, check out Jake's column at 1201. He's going to have some by lows in there, some some waiver wires guys to pick up as well. So I, I before we wrap up, uh, there's a couple backfields I wanted to talk about. And obviously we had the change at offensive coordinator with the Chargers. Uh, you know, you Brad, you were talking about survivor pools with the Jets. I'm out of one because I picked Green Bay. <laughs> Silly me. That was yep. one of the most surprising games, I think, for sure, heading into this weekend. We had the Chargers. They rolled the Packers 26-11. to 11, And there was a little bit of a different feel in terms of this offense. I mean, Melvin Gordon has 20 carries and Austin Eckler, they both combined for 39 touches so moving forward Jake is this kind of the feel I mean Oakland this week Kansas City obviously a good matchup against them and you want to run the football before the bye does it make you feel a little bit better about Gordon the fact that you know he could maybe touch the ball 20 times a week so this is one yeah it is and it's one of the ones I'm going to tell everybody out there is like when I say sometimes hey like trust your gut you know like we're not 100% right and sometimes you have a feeling about something I really wanted I wanted to put Melvin Gordon's top 15. I felt like the change in coordinator was going to be like look stop with this nonsense. But on the flip side of it and like my analytical side of things said, you know what? Even with his opportunities, he's looked so miserable and that offensive line is so miserable. But you take away from that game, it's the two short touchdowns and from the opportunities there is like it still wasn't an amazing game. It's not like hey, all of a sudden Melvin Gordon is performing like a top 10 running back. So, you know, there were some parts of it that were right, some parts were wrong. For fantasy purposes, it's wrong because it scored twice. For the truth of the analytical side, it still wasn't that much better. But the use is at least a little bit of a positive uptick. I'm still not going to put him RB1 territory, but I think now you can feel better, at least in the top 20, as in somebody who's pretty much a must start going forward with understanding that his floor, like a lot of split backfields, which uh, I don't know if you're going to bring him up, but I'm so annoyed with the one that I tried to defend this week and then he lets me down. I'll, I'll see that teaser because I think I know you know who I'm talking about. But the split backfields, we understand a split backfield always has that significant floor of if the game script goes one way, if somebody's performing better than the other, you still have a floor of Melvin Gordon being like an RB4. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I, I would, I mean, I definitely want, 
would want Gordon on my team, but I just don't want him as one of my top two backs. And because there's there's always the potential for that. This game script went the complete opposite that every single person on the planet thought it would. A lot of people <laughs> yeah. thought the Packers would win this. And if the Packers are winning that game, there's a good chance El- uh, Austin Eckler gets a lot more play in this game. But because right. the, the Chargers were winning that. And so at that point, if it is kind of game flow dependent, who you're going to go with. Well, yeah, then when, you know, in two weeks, you mentioned they play Kansas City or, or maybe I don't yeah, I don't weeks. know how far down the road that is, yeah, but weeks, yeah. I only look one game ahead. Um, but <laughs> but uh, no, the, if, if they're playing, if they're if the Chargers are playing the Chiefs, <laughs> but hold on, Brad, did you just give us the only take it one game at a time? Yeah, yeah. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I only yeah. look one game ahead. You don't. Jake and I are getting week. all kinds of questions. What do I do? We're week 16. I want week 16, guys. Listen, it's one week at a time. It's, it's not a bad one motto. week at a time. Yeah. yeah, you can you can look two weeks ahead for bye week purposes only. But other than that, win your game right now. No, I I but I when they're playing the Chiefs, Eckler's the guy I want because the Chiefs the last couple games have stopped the run that you know Aaron Jones beat them in the passing game a couple weeks ago that's Austin Eckler that's you know Dalvin Cook was very mediocre on on the ground yesterday that's I want Eckler in that game against the Chiefs if I'm if I'm picking one of these two I you could say the same thing with the Raiders the the Raiders have have played pretty well against the run at least in in the middle that you know the the I'm not going to count their game against the Lions for a lot of that because the Lions don't have a running game right now. They have no idea what they're doing in the backfield. And so Nothing. That, that's the Matt Stafford show, and, and that's the only way the Lions are going to be competitive. But the, the Raiders have been pretty good in the middle against the run. It's the guys that get outside. I don't know that I like Melvin Gordon in either of the next two matchups. And honestly, if I have him and I can s- sell him for, for a, you know, a, oh, Mark Ingram, I would give me Mark Ingram for Melvin Gordon. Okay, okay. I think 20, uh, 20, I would, I would probably do that too, actually. Yeah, we're all Ingram supporters here, although I really wanted him to get in uh, it. So you're going to bring the up one. the one on the other side of this game? Yeah, bring up the one on the other side of this game. I did want to say that they did run the ball 38 times yesterday. The Chargers, you know, if you do count Phillip Rivers' three carries, Mike Williams had a carry. <laughs> Justin Jackson even got in there and had uh, a couple carries as well. Yeah, uh, Gordon, yeah. RB3. Rivers was three, three kneels at the end of the game, Right, I know. Way. Yeah, <laughs> I was, was going to go there. Uh, Melvin Gordon, RB3. Devin Singletary. RB six is that where you're going, Frank? Uh, Frank Gore? Is, is no, that it? No, I, really, I said the other side of this game. Freaking oh, Aaron the Jones, other man. side of this game. Okay, my bad. Yeah, yeah Aaron try Jones to defend Aaron Jamal Jones Williams. and ask everybody why they, you know, they they campaign sure. for Aaron Jones and they all pull up. I, whatever, everybody's gonna be out there like, oh, this is I wasn't that excited. Nobody was on it off Aaron Jones because they expected the game to go this direction. <laughs> Let's be honest about it. I just he still had eight carries to Jamal Williams too, but of course Jamal Williams got the reception for the touchdown. Aaron Jones and he got six involved. balls. I thought yeah. maybe Jones's catches and targets would come down slightly with Devontae Adams coming back, but you know both backs. I mean, they combined for ten targets. Jones only had the one catch, but Jamal Williams the six. You know, six for six. No, you know what? It serves me right. I've I've blasted a bit of this backfield, and this is why you shouldn't be high on Aaron Jones as an RB one all along. And then I get behind him for one week and screws me over. <laughs> I just like I deserve it. But that's how who's that wasn't who you were going to bring up. So the no, yeah. Secretary. Devin Singletary was interesting. Like, yeah, I did think this was going to be a Frank Gore game because exactly what happened was well. The week before they were playing from behind, right? And Singletary's on the field, right? They were playing from behind. This is exactly the game script expected. Is they handled it. There wasn't a lot of concern in this game. You know, the Redskins scored a little bit in the second quarter, but it wasn't anything they'd be concerned of. And yet, Devin Singletary, 20 carries. So to your point, Chris, is one, yes, I was completely wrong about this. The change has happened. And I tweet, the one that I was going to say is what I tweeted out is nobody wanted to be left. This is the concern for Frank Gore for years now. We were always like, oh, my God, we left holding the bag. We are anybody that had Frank Gore, myself included yesterday in a few leagues, 
was left holding the bag. It is officially, I will say, it, watch it change again right next week. But as of today, like, no, I'm not saying 100%. It's over. Frank Gore is done. His fantasy value, dead, buried. It's over. It's Devin Singletary <laughs> we've said, we've time. We've said this before, but yeah, I, no, I do agree with you. It is officially in moratorium, whatever that word is, we should roll Frank Gore's name across the screen right now. We appreciate your career. You're an amazing running back. You are a terrific player, Frank yes. Gore. You are... We, we, we wish you well. It has been a fun career. Goodbye. But Brad, the by-low the by window for Singletary has closed. It's passed. Yeah, for sure. Nobody's you, giving up You this can't guy. go get him now without overpaying. And um, there's, you know, with the young guy, there's always just upside, especially in this offense. Now keep in mind, it was against the Redskins, who are potentially the worst team in football. Mm. So it, it's, it, that's a, you know, it's a great matchup. It was just the volume that you, that you're concerned with if you're a Gore owner or that you love if you're a Singletary owner, because if this game script happens down the road, you kind of have a feeling now of this is what's going to happen. But also if they're behind, you feel like it's a Singletary game too. So now you just roll out Singletary, you drop goal unless go unless you, um, you know, unless Singletary gets hurt. Yeah. It was Singletary early and often too, right away. And I w- I'm with you, Jake. I thought because of the game script and that, in that game against the Eagles last week, you know, tough team to run on. Let's, you know, let's get some screens. Let's get Singletary involved in the passing game. And then this week, a game script that, you know, favors them, but really it wasn't Gore, even when they were up. I mean, Gore got a couple carries late, but I think it was just, he got stuffed three plays in a row at the goal line. Three, that's what I was going to three plays in a row. So, and, and Singletary, his, his touchdown came in the red zone as well. Right. So they eventually changed the page. There's, and you know, yeah. And of course, you know, I'm sure there's people out there like, well, if he scored one of those touchdowns, we wouldn't be having as bad of a day, blah, blah, blah. But the fact that he didn't get in, right? No. And let's, let's chop off two. Let's, let's, uh, for all intents and purposes, I just want to throw, and I want to throw this out there, Chris, is because let's say, let's say he got it on the first one on first down, he gets in. So you chop off two of his additional carries. You add a touchdown. It's still nine for 15 with the touchdown. That's still not, Great. Anything. Yeah, That's nothing. still you. We would all still be saying the same thing without the touchdown. Frank Gore has no value. Yeah, we were just talking about twenty for eighty from Gordon was very mediocre. <laughs> he got two touchdowns, so Frank Gore nine, yeah. for, eleven for fifteen or whatever is pretty bad. All right, I wanted to bring up Ronald Jones twenty touches. It's it's nothing spectacular. Maybe this maybe it'll go back the other way with Peyton Barber. We've been playing a guessing game with with Tampa Bay all year. I don't know, Jake. I my takeaway from that is that Ronald Jones is the guy going forward. I don't know how excited you can be about it, but. Would you be shocked if it was Barber next week? No, I wouldn't be. I'd be mildly at this point because the it's been turning towards Ronald Jones, yeah. and you know, to, to, you reference my waiver column. I always say, look, if you're going to pick up one, just pick up Jones. He has more upside. Do I want to start him? Absolutely not. Nick, it's what Arizona the next game this is. Week. Yep, that's the next game. Arizona's the next game. The week after that, though, Saints. is the Saints, and that's a concerning one. But. I think, especially if it, even if it was a four team and not a six team by week, like Ronald Jones is going to be in the top, wow, at least twenty five conversation this week. And I don't feel good about it though because if it was Peyton Barber, it would not shock me. And including the fact that the goon got a touchdown. Yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Peyton Barber's kind of done. Forty percent ownership for Ronald Jones dropped six percent in the last twenty four hours. Not sure what's going on there, but Arizona Saints bad matchup, then Atlanta to follow. So decent spots. Um, all right, that'll do it. Kiki QT, shout out, zero snaps again. Just because we didn't bring him up last week. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to say that. Before Good before job, we get it before I get a uh, message from Brad in the WhatsApp chat uh, about Kiki QT getting zero snaps again. Um Yeah. What? Is he like just He's jogging in practice? Like is what I don't know what's going, going on there. He was getting a lot I of usage last him. week. Someone's gonna last get year. hurt. 
Yeah. yeah, someone's gonna need to get hurt for him to be back in there because he's he's roasted right now. Yeah, he is roasted. Um, <clears throat> dots on the way out. Dallas seven point favorites against the Giants. Any chance of an upset? Brad, I know you like to call Monday night upsets. Uh, not not this time. I'm I'm actually kind of hoping. I, I'm going against Barkley in a couple leagues. I'm actually hoping Dallas dominates him just just for that purpose. But um, yeah, I, I don't see any way the Giants win this game. Uh, but it is in New York, so who knows? Jake. No I'm chance. calling the upset so I can ruin all the survivor picks. Oh, maybe yeah. oh, he's gonna get a game from Daniel Jones. You know, we're at the hour mark, so there's not enough time to bring up the Chiefs because we'll go. Oh, two whatever. Hours. We always have time. But we will say, maybe, just maybe, that fumble last week, and we did say it last week, had, oh, it- had just given life for Damien. He <laughs> did have that huge run, which, by the way, Tyreek Hill caught him. It was so impressive. But 12 <laughs> carries to Shady's three, um, and I know I see the snap count in there, Brad. You want to share it? Yeah, Damian had 42 snaps and Shady had six. Uh-oh. And Shady started the game. He was in there on the first drive. They they went three and out or or maybe maybe four four snaps, but it was a pretty quick drive and it was all Hold Shady. On, that's, the snap count. that's interesting, Brad. I think the, the snap count that's interesting is Daryl Williams eleven. Yeah, Sean McCoy six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Shady's dropped. Yeah, out and Daryl and Damian were in there on on you know a, a co tandem a couple times too. Like they they would put Damian out out wide, like put him in the slot. Here, let me. Um, let, let me let me be the one because you're going to come off like a homer. So let me, let me no. put it this way and see if you agree with me. I don't think we're taking victory laps. And I say we because, you know, like the Damian Williams, like like you're more so than me, but even more so than Chris because Chris was the one against them the entire time. I don't think either of us are taking victory laps on Damian Williams except for the fact that we said this isn't a backfield that's going to be running much. And if you're taking the pass catcher, we're going to take Damian. Nobody expected yesterday, and I'm not taking a victory lap over that one run especially – but is forced to choose, we're still going to take Damian. Yeah, well, let's not take victory laps, but this is a win. This is a win for Brad. I mean, this is a check mark. This is a positive, <laughs> right? Let's go. We have been talking about this backfield. That's what I said. All, it's a, it's yeah, a positive, absolutely, Brad. Right? Yeah, we've been talking lap, about this backfield all year. So I mean, we can't just ignore what happened yesterday. And we did say that it's going to be in a con- confusing backfield moving forward. But this was a win, a positive for Damian Williams and company. Like I saw tweets yesterday. Let's let's, you know, all those people taking victory lack on Damian. He did have that one big run, but even still the snap counts and the carries and the fact that he is involved in the backfield, catching balls and Mahomes coming back soon. It's a positive on the flip side, Brad, did you start him anywhere? Because I saw Mike Clay tweet out that he was started in what? 12% of ESPN league. So yeah, I started I started him in a, a league that I actually had Latavius Murray on a bye. Oh, and go. so I was kind of kind of forced into it as a it's a two flex league. Um so and it's 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 points per carry. So running backs have a little a uh, little boost there. It's like a quarter of a point per carry. So I did start him in that league. That's the only league I started him in. Um I only own him in two leagues and the other one like there's with the running backs I have, there's no way I would start him. He actually will finish as my fourth best running back uh, assuming Saquon outdoes him tonight, but but it, um, if if the the biggest thing to me was okay, this you could say like okay, take out that run. His averages weren't good up until that point. But this is also against the Minnesota defense, who was really good. The the and and so even I, I I excuse the fact that it's like okay, well he had eleven carries and what thirty yards in the rest of the game. No one's running on the Minnesota all year. So that's with that being the case, I'm not concerned about that. They've got a couple decent matchups coming forward. And then they go to new England who we, we just saw last night. Can't stop the run. We, we talked about earlier and that's a game where that could be a shootout type game. Um, the, the chief defense is playing a lot better right now and they're starting to get healthy. They got Chris Jones back yesterday. Um, if they can get Frank Clark back, then, 
it's it's just it, there's just a different vibe right now and and that's the homer talk out of me the different vibe in kansas city is that our defense is not a pushover anymore they they played pretty well um the last couple games putting pressure on quarterbacks um and and they were all over Kirk Cousins yesterday all over him uh you know another five sack game they had five sacks against Aaron Rodgers the week before they had nine sacks against the Broncos the week before that so they are they are finding ways to put pressure and yesterday I I I talked about this earlier Jake said or I told Jake um earlier this week they blitzed like 44 percent of the time the last two games they did not yesterday I only saw a blitz maybe one or two plays all game they were just getting pressure by showing blitz and then rushing four. And it was really impressive. Like they're, I, I think their defense has turned a corner and there's a good chance that they are a lot more dominant going forward and, and not a pushover matchup in fantasy. You done yet? I'm done. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, all good info. Um, hey, I guess the play hey, was hey. to avoid Damian in the second round and just pick him up off the waiver wire. He could be the fantasy <laughs> MVP in the second half. That, that was the move, Chris. Yeah. The other move was I laughed when he was saying that because you, you, did you notice when he said Latavius Murray was on a buy and he was forced to start him? Yeah. So you're He's... welcome, Joe Pizapia, for your win in the flex leagues because I was traveling and forgot about the super flex. And there's Latavius Murray starting my lineup with <laughs> Damian Williams on the bench scoring yeah. 20 points, which is now going to be the difference between me beating him. Like, he's getting a win because of that. I messed up as well. I mean, in London, that Jacksonville and Texan game, that was at 630 in the morning, and I was – you know, not up. I was just going to bed, and D.D. Westbrook was in one of my No, I was in the well, middle so of my layover yikes. trying to set my lineup, but I also updating my ranking. So there you go. There, it's all about the free people. Win for, yeah, it's, it's free, Joe Pizapia gets a free win. Well, look at that. I mean, Jake is updating rankings before he's putting guys in his lineup. It's all about the people. That's why you got to give him a follow at All in Kid. Check out his article. 1201 is going to help you out. We're going to talk about, in our next show, we'll touch on some buy lows, some sell highs, because you're just a couple weeks away from fantasy football playoffs. Your trade deadline have made as it's, it may have passed, but it's possible you still have some moves to make as well. So, Brad Ziggler, give him a follow on Twitter right there at Brad Ziggler, myself at Chris Meany. Enjoy the Monday Night Football. We'll catch you guys on Wednesday. Mm-hmm.